Oh, nigga, I'ma lose his head. Try to run, try to fly, try to float. Channels on top of the dress. Baby, you down in the flesh. Better watch how you address us. Playing no games, no dress. I got an idea. Let you wild tonight in my hood. Y'all get right here. All right, we're back once again, folks. Live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to uh, yet another episode of How You Living. It's episode 77, and we have a guest with us. It's Nick again. Hi, everybody. Welcome back, Nick, one of our science and teaching correspondents. So It's great to be here. You have returned. Uh, we are here at the beginning of August, midsummer. Uh, we've had our local seafair events. Uh, it's been a very festive July Indeed it has. And uh, and we have arrived in August. Uh, how you living, Chaz? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, it's August. I got some things going on. I'm going to go to a cabin later in this month. Uh, I'm going to go do some brunch with friends. Uh, you know, but that's typical summer stuff. And then, like, the usual, you know, playing some video games, watching some uh, lefty stuff on the YouTubes. Lefty stuff. His His heavy democratic research, actually. Looking, ah. looking into uh, the local candidates and I those was, at the the federal level. Oh, you were looking at like Steve Young, Steve Carlton kind of things. I don't know. Right. I, I'm looking at like you know <laughs> why we should topple capitalism. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> or Steve Martin. We would we would have we would have checked that Steve. Yeah. Uh, Paul, he, Paul McCartney. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he, uh, he was in Wings. Uh, so. Anyway, we have arrived at the beginning of our episode, which we like to start with a little segment called Callbacks. Callbacks. All right. Yeah. And it's just us looking back at, at this point, the previous 76 episodes of this show, topics we've covered, people we've had on, and uh, what's been uh, coming up in your mind from things we've talked about, Chaz? Uh, you know, nothing in particular in my brain today. Maybe I'll tackle it when we start talking about the debates. But the only thing, I, I don't know how much we've talked about Medicare for All other than saying that, like, Pete Buttigieg was, like, Medicare for All who wanted and all that. But, like, that's a big thing that everyone talked about at the debate, so I kind of would save it for there. All right. Uh, what about you, Nick? Anything we've talked about in the past that you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, first of all, I got married. Oh, well, congratulations. That's right. You did get married since the last time. And his wife, Liz, was on the show, too. Mm -hmm. She'll probably be back in future episodes. Hell, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got married June 30th. It was a great time. Um, And since then, Liz and I host a trivia night every Tuesday night at the Wits End. Come on down. Um, And then I host karaoke, too. So just having a nice, restful summer. It's going great. That's good. But no topics that we've talked about that... uh, you remember from your previous episodes that are still like in the news uh the uh, fact that we have a royal rumble going on in the uh democratic uh, party right there is a crap load of them so that, we'll, we'll probably get to that in a minute that is a good callback though because we do talk about uh that current election a lot because it's kind of what we got going on the left as far as the most uh notoriety events going on that's very true um we definitely encourage people to look at their closer look at their local elections too in this time because that's probably places that they can kind of seek out change and actually seek out connections kind of direct connections with the people that are doing it you can usually meet them at some of these town hall events uh and uh but when it comes to you know the top of the heap uh we have to talk about these debates and man are they a royal rumble so uh 
when we start when we look at whatever uh, candidate he's chosen this week to uh, dive deep on, what is it this week? Mm, that is Miss Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Okay, so we're going to take a look at her, who has uh, had mixed reviews on her debates, but definitely had some solid moments. Have gotten her some points. In so kind of the same thing I did with Tulsi, since we did Tulsi at the same time we did a review of the first debates. I'll just be interlacing my findings and criticisms of her as we talk about her during the debates. In the in the debates. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, my callback, I guess, is that uh, it is still lovely weather, so participate in float life if you can. Catch yourself a local river. Catch yourself a local lake. And, and give yourself some time to, to hang out and relax in these summer months. All right. With that, folks, we have arrived to episode 77 of the How You Living podcast, live from Greenwood, in the Million Dollar Studios, and in the official Chaz Tower building. So, uh, welcome, I think, for the first time to the Million Dollar Studios. Uh, I think it, the first time I was here was the three of us in this room. In this room? Okay. Yeah. Second trip. Sorry, man. I should, I should have checked with the uh, wait staff. They would have remembered. <laughs> now, he's yeah. recorded in all of our studios. Okay. Yeah, this is yeah. the third time. Third time. That's good. Oh, yeah. Even the half million dollar studio and the, uh, the kind of luxury floor one with the fireplace. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The other one, though, has access to a patio, so we could do patio podcasts. True. It is warm in here now. Yeah. It's but, the Million yeah. Dollar Studios. We like to keep it that way. <laughs> we, don't wanna, we don't want to have, like, air conditioning and things to, like, you know, get into the way of the, the sound recording. Sound, So we just course. keep it nice and hot. I understand. Uh, just like the content that we bring. Uh, I think without a shadow of a doubt, the kind of thing looming over uh, our time right now, especially on the Democratic side, is these debates. So we should uh, just talk about these debates while they're fresh on our minds. Indeed, indeed. Uh, two more days <laughs> of debates. Uh, where were they held this time, Chaz? I believe the Motor City of Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Uh, an area that voted very blue in a state that voted very red. So, or red enough, at least, we'll say. I gotta be honest i didn't see the debates so uh i'm gonna learn some things here today i i don't mind that actually because i want to we can see how your opinion uh goes as we bring up what what they said yeah cool so uh what's the one of the main topics you've seen that's come out of the uh, aftermath uh, of these debates so the biggest one is medicare for all everyone like in general, it seems like everyone on the debate stage supports some kind of Medicare for all. Um, and if I remember, so definitely Bernie and Liz are for Medicare for all, full stop, straight no chaser. Um, then there's Pete Buttigieg and a few. Oh, I should also say that Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard um, have said they're in that, too. Um and then there's people like uh, Pete Buttigieg, and I think it was Hickenlooper, um, Delaney, and I think someone else on night two who said they were kind of into a modified Medicare for All plan. Uh, we'll just I'll just use Pete Buttigieg's name for it, which is Medicare for All Who Want It. They all have some variation of that where it's not a full um, Medicare for All uh, type of thing. Um, and then I think Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have their own versions of it. Um, Kamala Harris's have has some weird mixing in of both a uh, what's it called a public 
option for Medicare for All and a private option for Medicare for All is very weird. And I know that Joe Biden has some criticisms for it. And I'm actually have a Vox article because I need to familiarize myself with the nuances of hers. But I do know one thing, like, um, mm, let's see, Bernie Sanders and uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren pointed it out that they were using a lot of Republican talking points when they said both, are you going to raise taxes on the middle class, but also are you going to get rid of people's private insurance? And I made a Facebook post because, like, if you actually read the bill that um, what was it, Bernie Sanders wrote, he, it actually is, it's more in the lines of if a current plan, if a current private plan covers something that Medicare for All is going to cover, right. then that plan will no, be, no longer be able to cover that. So Medicare for All in his plan is, will cover like, you know, basic uh, essential needs or essential health needs for all Americans and anything out of its purview, you can get private insurance for. So you'd have to make sure you knew what the definition of like the general public health would be mm-hmm. for the type of services that the public would be getting through so, Medicare so like for all regular wear and tear. And, right. And, and like, that, and that's where the debate should be mm-hmm. is in the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel you. That's real. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's actually how the system's built is that these type of proposals make it to their floors. And then with reasonable discourse, they piece together something instead of being the two opposing parties of no and just voting down everything, which has been the last probably six years, uh, is, is, is a dysfunctional use of the system. Um, if we brought Medicare for all, because it's a system that's already being used, it's already has some foundation. It would be less expensive to provide and, or to ramp it up in places and the delivery mechanisms for it. Uh, and also, you just would then define the language in that. Assume that the government needs to provide that for everybody as a law and then have the, the debate be how it's delivered as opposed to being whether it should be delivered. That's that's what's been holding up the problem, and more people go uncovered because of that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, um, it's why on that left side it's one of the most important parts of the debate points. Whereas on the Republican side, they're not even bringing up health care. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. They're just trying to take away the ACA. And one, I guess a few things. Um, Barack Obama, when he came in and he finally got Obamacare through, Obama was spo- or Obamacare was supposed to be a public option. Right. But it, it eventually became, you know, an exchange and, you know, different people could be on the exchange, but there was no public option on the exchange. So while it gave more people health care, it's still expensive as fuck. Um, and then when implementing, uh, you know, public health care, you can do it in different ways because at least in the two places that I've heard a bit about is in the UK, it's a uh, fully nationalized, but like they have some sort of relationships with the hospitals and they pay for certain things there. Um, but if you look at Canada, it's done on a provincial level. So like BC has their own, um, let me see, Quebec has their own, Saskatchewan has their own and, you know. It's done. So, like, the thing about that is, like, if each individual province has their own GDP, um, you know, a state like Washington might have an easy time funding it. And, in fact, Jay Inslee actually put in place a public option for Washington for us to have. Right. Um, but other states that are poor G- uh, have poor GDP may not be able to pay for it. So maybe that's, that's not the implementation you would want. So No. There will be a lot of disparity between hospitals you know you, they would get worse care in these mm-hmm. states that don't have a, as much money that's just i don't think that, that's right so mm-hmm. it should be even across the board and shout out shout out to apple health <laughs> for, yeah apple health for serving uh the washington <laughs> state people 
Uh, Jay Inslee becoming less of a, a of an event um, candidate. Was he not even a participant in these debates? No, he was. Okay. Um. Yeah. He talked like whenever Jay Inslee speaks, like basically he like I feel like he's the one that says. Uh, well, hey, in my state, we've implemented this progressive plan. So, yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's basically what he says every time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And that's why he gets in those debates because he can talk. He tries to talk about health care that is, you know, helped women. And the women on the stage were like, we we know that just as well. <laughs> Wasn't um, climate change advocism, advocism one of his uh, big oh yeah points. that's yeah. like his flagship um, yeah. sort of uh, sort of issue and part of me thinks is that because that was like basically the space he could get into uh, like you know you're supposed to find a hole in the market if you know if we're in the marketplace of ideas <laughs> no you're not yeah you're not far off <laughs> and, and being from Seattle which is has like this notoriety of being like a uh, forward thinking about that even though like as a whole our industrial waste is like terrible like, we, <laughs> yeah. so we screw off in the duwamish river and the puget sound like terrible so but we, we, we have the impression when we're the we're the home of like biodegradable corn cups and stuff like that's we'll, we'll do the things that make us feel like we're participating in a total environmental like mm reproduction feeling but ultimately like as a whole the city of seattle is like a big polluter yeah but he has like his history here and his history in washington state as a whole to kind of like boost that role of i'm the environmental guy so i could see him like using that as like a lane strategy yeah in the in the democratic side uh and i mean if he can keep going and he can start making bolder statements and be bigger parts of these types of event type politics especially in these upcoming primaries uh-huh um he he is a dark horse uh vice presidential candidate yeah know? i think so i think definitely like in the debates now you definitely have to be like more forceful and like more in your face about things and i think he's one of the few candidates that isn't uh and i think he gives like very cogent very you know this is the type of policies i'm going to see answers i'm going to ask direct questions but he doesn't interject very much yeah so uh, and, and then, uh, what did you think about some of the other performers? Did you see anything from, uh, Pete Buttigieg or, uh, Beto in these debates? Uh, so Beto, uh, Beto is interesting cause, uh, like, I guess he wasn't as memorable for me, but interesting. He is one of the, uh, few people who has, uh, qualified for the third debate. So he'll be there. Uh, but like, I'm trying how, to, how old is he? I think mid forties, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything that he said that stood out to me, and I have inklings of a specific thing where he, they were talking about like trade deals and uh, TTP and all that. But it was, it, it just felt like it was uh, just a counter, just kind of like, yeah, no, I, I kind of like that idea. But may, oh, I remember they're talking about uh, if they wanted to pay for schools. Um, and the whole, you know, should we pay for everyone to go to college? And his difference is a lot of people are saying either, yeah, four-year colleges uh, for everyone or something like that. And some people, but he's like, uh, no, let them only go to community college for two years, find out who they are, and then, you know, uh, pay for the other stuff. So it was interesting. Yeah. I just kind of read a, a little breakdown on it. It basically summarized that uh, 
Bernie's getting a, a, a clearer picture of his base through these uh, debate strategies because, you know, he can kind of like stay to his issues and his points that mm-hmm. he has from the previous election. And here, it, these are all been uh, in front of audiences, so you can get like applause. So he's been experiencing that, even though he's not getting a lot of like traction because he's his supporters are just there. Yeah. You know? And then uh, Beto, I guess, has has according to this been not performing as well in the uh, Democratic uh, debates. Um, that it, it's Sanders and Warren that stood out on the debate that he was on, which was on the Tuesday. So. Um, yeah, that, it's interesting. And then Buttigieg is there, uh, and he talks about your Medicare for all. He says that he's for Medicare for all, for all who want it. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not sure what that exactly means. It basically means that Medicare will be a public option that competes with the private space, and anybody who wants to opt into the plan can, but you don't have to allow okay. for you to keep your a private insurance if you so choose. Yeah, that's not so bad. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. That's a reasonable, a reasonable thing. Uh, so, out of all of these, who would you want to date, Nick? <laughs> uh, no, which one? Which one would you vote? Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to get the list together. Okay, so I, I, I don't even know all the names. So, but. so what we've talked about today, I'm going to go through. I'm going to run through your, our roster today. Well, I, I we, we've I got, got a bunch: Joe Biden, Bernie right, Sanders, right. Elizabeth Warren. Yep. Pete Buttigieg, but yeah, he was the guy who's the mayor of South Bend. Yeah, he actually has some pretty good ideas and stuff. Right? No, I like him. Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, Kamala Harris or uh, Kamala. Kamala. I think it's Kamala. Kamala I think Harris. For many, like I know, I, I've been the one mispronouncing Kamala Harris's in uh, Julian Castro's name for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Inslee, Ray, Jay, Jay, uh, Jay Inslee, Jay Inslee that's governor, it. governor of our fair state of Washington. Yeah, I don't even know who the governor of our state yeah, it's is. It's fine. So. No, I mean that's Sorry. that's part of we're, <laughs> is, this is a learning podcast. And you're, yeah, you're, you're you're learning. Yeah, you're, we do this so you can become more engaged. That's, te- you're that's the goal. Teaching and learning correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! I love school. Um, Delaney, what's Delaney's first name? John. John Delaney. John Delaney. Yeah. yeah. Okay. John Delaney's. What, what are your opinions on John Delaney, Chaz? <laughs> You're gonna have to show me a picture of him so I know who he is. Right. Like that's. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. I was like, I feel like he's so he's from Maryland. All right, I don't feel so bad now. He's a Maryland politician. Oh, that's John Delaney. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, he's interesting because he's definitely. I think if there was a strong centrist candidate, like at least someone who's like, I know y'all want to have these pie in the sky ideas, uh, but I feel like in this certain political climate, you won't be able to get your pie in the sky ideas. So what I'm going to propose is something a little bit more pragmatic, something a little bit more feasible, because I feel like if we're going to be Trump, this is what we're going to have to give them. That's what I think John Delaney is in the debates at the moment. And that's why Elizabeth Warren got her viral moment when she was like, I don't know why you're running for president. When you don't want to have the big ideas to fix things, you just want to tell people what they can't do. That's this is all paraphrasing, but yeah. Mm. So, yeah, um, he seems like yeah one of the, so he's one of the competitor uh, candidates of the far left agenda. Like he's saying, indeed, center center left leaning on some conservative value. Okay. Right, which is, this isn't the election for that, unfortunately, for him. Exactly. Like, yeah, this isn't the Perot getting 15%. Like, he could have teamed up with some independent and win this thing. 
Uh, this is definitely a left further for, towards center to left left uh, election as far as the Dems are going to be concerned. And I think, um, like, if you look at the Overton window or at least look at critiques that Fox has done, um, you'll see that American politics, like where we see everything from what are unacceptable policies to radical things to sensible, acceptable, and into policy are a lot more so on the right than the left. So that's why ideas that are, you know, just standard, like, you know, socialized healthcare has been a standard in the UK since 1954. So, like, for people to be like, you're going so far to the left, right? It's like, yeah, I get why they're saying that, because our politics are so on the right, generally speaking. Um, and that's generally because of capitalism that, like, anybody talking about, no, we should give people free things. It's like, no, you got to earn it. What the fuck's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, it, you're battling against that, like, principled idea of just our common discourse uh, when people mm-hmm. are doing those things. Well, you shouldn't be profiting off people being sick. Exactly. You know? So, like, it, this, if a person needs help, you give it to them. You know, that's mm-hmm. the Hippocratic Oath, right? Do no harm and stuff. Unless you have insurance. Sorry. Right. No. <laughs> uh, just to interject one thing into there, because John Delaney's interesting, because I believe he made his wealth from working in the medical industry. Uh, so <clears throat> he was talking about how one of his great criticisms of um, Bernie Sanders' plan is that Medicare, when it pays out everything, is supposed to pay it out at 80%. And when private insurance companies do it, it does it at 120%. So he's using it saying that, like, Medicare for all wouldn't be solvent. Uh, but then, like, the counter of that is that its solvency would come from the fact that it's not trying to profit off of the market. It's just trying to pay for the standard of care based on, like, at cost. So, but I don't know the nuances of that. But so I think anybody listening wants to check the juxtaposition between those two things. There might be some sort of critiques there to be have. All right. Before we go into our deep dive, I'm going to do uh, the list that we have. According to CNN, here are your 24 Democrats uh, as if they were starring on SNL. Hey, everybody. Welcome. We have our candidates for the 2020 live in New York. I'm imagining them all turning towards the camera we have when you say their name. Senator Michael Bennett. Former Vice President Joe Biden, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, your favorite Senator Cory Booker, our man Governor Steve Bullock, that guy South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, (laughs) he's barely old enough, we have Mr. John Delaney, former Maryland Republican, Uh, we have a Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro, uh, we also have Republican representative, not Republican. That'd be funny, though. Secret, she's a Republican. Tulsi Gabbard. She is on Fox a lot. Next up, we have Kristen Gillibrand. Kamala Harris, who you're going to hear more about. It's our host. Former Governor John Hickenlooper. He's in Colorado, guys. They have legal weed. Governor Jay Inslee, another governor, also legal weed. Yes, sir. Senator yeah. Amy Clow Butcher? Clow Butcher. Yeah, that's what I said. And Myanmar Mayor Wayne Massam. Wait, what? Yeah, that's on the list. I love the internet. It's wrong. And Representative Seth Moulton. We're only up to the M. Former Representative Beto O'Rourke. Representative Tim Ryan. There are so many of these, dude. Uh, Bernie Sanders, guys. He's another crowd favorite. He's down at the bottom. 
Joe Sestak, billionaire Tom Steyer. How do you just get the term billionaire? Senator Elizabeth Warren. You earn a billion dollars? Spiritual author Marianne Williamson. <laughs> I'm still confused by the one that I said earlier. Businessman Andrew Yang. Folks, those guys are starring tonight live in studio. Uh, all right. Yes, that is all the candidates. And here's G.E. Smith and the Saturday Night Live Band. Exactly. And they all simultaneously talk over each other. Except in this world, we hear Chaz's voice instead. In his personal segment of figuring this out, Chaz goes deep on the candidates. Wait. Chaz deep dives on candidates. Wait. Chaz learns the most he can about one candidate. Next up, Chaz and his thing about a candidate. Oh, goodness gracious. So I have Kamala Harris, and and she's interesting because before I did my deep dive, I started to hear some more, um, some things about her. And I think of all the people who people might want to vote for if she got the nomination, she is the most polarizing because uh, she has an interesting record um, as... So, if you don't know anything about uh, Kamala Harris, um, if you could look up her age really quick, because I don't know that offhand. Uh, well, it doesn't matter, because our age is... is It, it doesn't matter. Um, but her age... <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, she assumed office last year. Uh, so, her trajectory is... Uh, she's an attorney. Uh, she's been a prosecutor. She's been a district attorney. She's been the attorney general. And leading up to her being uh, one of the senators from California. Uh, so basically, she she's saying that she ran. So the criticisms of her I've seen is that when she could have done more progressive things in the criminal justice system, she has basically been a tough-on-crime prosecutor. So some people like to call her Cop Mala Harris. Uh, ah right and so that's a good that's a good bet <laughs> next on fox cop mala harris she's tired after work raising three kids the right way as cops that's right they're all cops cop harris um go ahead so like one of the things that she did was this truancy law and so I've see I've read conflicting reports about this because uh, I read a little bit of an op-ed on Medium where someone was saying like we have everything wrong about Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, um, <laughs> and that I always someone on aside I said that I've should we always, just give her a nickname? Should we just give all of them nicknames and then we just use their nickname? It's got That's the weird. phonetic spelling there, so it looks like it says Kamala. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Capital Kamala K. Harris. Right. Kamala Harris. Someone uh, corrected me when I said her name during what, trivia. What so. if you're someone that says yeah. the first name right but not the last name? You're like, Kamala Harris. <laughs> like, what? It's Harris. How did you mess that up? I don't know. <laughs> Am I not saying it the same way as everyone else? Kamala Harris. <laughs> so, so, yeah, one of the things she had was a truancy law. And back when I believe she was district attorney of uh, San Francisco, the idea of the truancy law was to uh, put parents uh, responsible for their kids not showing up to school. Um, And apparently, like, kids weren't showing up for, like, you know, 90 days, like, full. And the whole thing that the school, in order to get their funding for the students, they need the students to show up. Um, Yo, this is a story about her putting kids in jail? 
No, okay. actually. Okay. Like, <laughs> I thought that's where we were going, man. I was like, okay, good, keep going. It's no, fine. but like the idea is parents could be thrown in jail, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't, mm. like, to, it, in, to my research, I don't think any parents were thrown in jail. Okay. Uh, but the whole idea was before that would happen, you would meet with like a true, I don't want to call it a truancy court, but because that makes it sound bad. But basically, you would meet with, uh, the parents would meet with people saying, hey, hey, your kids are having truancy problems. Uh, can you do something about it? If not, we're going to have to lock you up. Like, that's how it went. Uh, and I'm like, that, it, that to me, like, seems counterproductive. Like, especially, oh, go We have it. a CPS here. So, mm-hmm. like, anytime uh, a kid is absent or is late, you know, Liz is a principal at a school, so they have to call home. And you mm-hmm. know, if something's going on, Sometimes you have to get the authorities involved, but I don't think it's like throw them in jail or anything. But it's like no, and I think the specifics of it is that it was uh, had to be people who were truant for a while, uh, but the retractors of it are kind of saying that hey, would have like this is gonna it's always it always goes back to disproportionately uh, affecting you know lower income individuals, especially the individuals uh-huh. working like three jobs at a time mm-hmm. who may not have all the time in the world to know what their kids are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there was a little bit of a bite back against that. Um, but some people might say it was, it was a success in some ways. Cause I think it, uh, raised the attendance rate by like 20% or something, mm-hmm. but I also don't know like uh, the critical aftermath of that. So like that, that's one of the things where like people who are supporters of her, like, look at what she did. Mm-hmm. And then other people are like, how does it look? But look at how the impact a subset of Americans. So yeah, that's one of the polarizing things about uh, Kamala Harris that's out there. I believe she's 55. Okay. Yeah. 64 to now. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, Obviously, for the most part, the candidates on the left, you know, moral-wise and kind of almost legislatively, there's probably some differences with avenues down that. I'm for any of them being elected over Trump. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, the goal here is find out, you know, who has the strength to go up against Trump, you know. And, you know, she's been very vocal in a lot of these debates and has gone up against some of the leadership people like Biden, you know. Oh, yeah. So... Um, she's definitely in that conversation. It's going to be an interesting couple of months to see how she steers her campaign in a way to pick up more steam, obviously, mm-hmm. in order to kind of get that groundswell where um, you can feel the, the, the party turning in your favor because that's what it takes for the nomination, at least. So, so her birthday is October 20th, so she'll be turning 55. There we go. Yeah, a and young 54. How uh, how long has she been a senator? Since 2017? Yeah, so just a couple of years. First term senator or rep- representative hmm. of uh, d- d- no United States senator from California for 2007. So she was a representative before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of her, well, one of her biggest criticisms, um, was, uh, so I think there's this thing happening in California, and I believe this is when she was the attorney general, um, and they were doing this thing to try to deal with, uh, overcrowding in, uh, in the state prisons and the, pu- or in the privately held prisons as well, too, because I think it was mandated by the California Supreme Court. Um, but one of the things that she didn't do was she didn't put, a transgender inmates in uh their appropriate like gender place 
Uh, so lots of things happen to them when, like, so um, transgender women were in men's prisons and uh, transgendered men were in women's prisons. I've only heard uh, criticisms of the transgender women in men's prisons and uh, they being subjected to rape and not being able to get their uh, medicine and everything like that. So that's definitely right now where that progressive issue is a big thing in our like lefty politics is a bit of a blemish on her record. Yeah, that's that's a, a very specific and uh, interesting background on her. I mean, in a different role than what she's running for, but still uh, showing kind of where her leadership uh, strategies lie in that particular issue. So that's the first time I've ever even thought of that, like transgender mm-hmm. people in uh, prison. I mean, whatever prison you're in sucks, mm-hmm. you know, regardless. So it's, you know, stay out of prison, hopefully. Right. Um, it, it, it is uh, like, yeah. But are, could they have like a, a, a separate section for all transgender people or just like... The, the, I don't the, think you need it. The but. gender <laughs> that, that goes... I don't, I don't think that... I don't know. Yeah. Just thinking here so, mm-hmm. so so if you were a woman and you changed into a man you should be in the men's prison you're saying mm-hmm. and then if you're a man who changed into a woman you should be in the woman's prison mm-hmm. and then know. other versions of that with like you know different elements right i mean hopefully everybody's protected because you know stuff happens in prison all the time to mm-hmm. everybody regardless of <laughs> but anyway Right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what else? Yeah, what else? Uh, Kamal Harris. So she and she uh, held several different roles for the state of California. Right. Uh, District Attorney of San Francisco, Attorney General of California. And now a uh, senator representing. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, well, and then there's. So, if, if you look at her past record, she's done that thing. And I guess a quick thing, too, is that she didn't prosecute Steve Mnuchin. It's the whole thing when it came to how he manipulate the housing market and and kind of I don't necessarily think it was stole people's money, but like kind of just added to like the housing crisis in 2008. Um, and people just felt like you should prosecute big banks. So she feel like I guess if you're like a lefty lefty. Right. And, you know, you think uh, capitalism is bad and you think like the neoliberals are way too in bed with corporate interests. You see that as being a downfall. Uh, but there is something to say about like the various bills that she supports in um, in Congress. Uh, if you want to talk on her a little bit, I'm trying to remember some specifics. But. Uh, yeah. According to some political positions listed on her Wikipedia page and mm-hmm. uh, she, she's always been for choice in the abortion issue. Uh, she wasn't initially in the support of recreational marijuana, but has later moved to support legalization in California. So, uh, that's that, uh, Harris is opposed to the death penalty, but said that she would review each case, uh, individually. So, uh, that seems a little vague. I I do remember there was some criticism because I can't remember the specifics of it all, but there was a death penalty thing going on in California where she could have gotten, where I've heard she could have gotten rid of it, but didn't. But that's a very like cursory, high-level understanding of the issue. That's something that I didn't get into very much, so that's something that I'll have to call back to later. Right. Uh, how, how do you feel on that? Are you for or against the death, death penalty? I'm probably against the death penalty. Um, I do think we need a full um, reform of the justice system. Um, That's the real thing. You know, and, and the way we house prisoners and kind of our 
our our interaction with them and our goals for them as citizens ultimately of our society as opposed to being these caged fringe element in permanence uh that being said you know some crimes you might get you know a long sentence and or a life sentence i don't really see playing the advocate of your actual life though as on the form of the state especially given the track record that on a good state record 10 percent are legitimate in the sense that perhaps they had something to do with the crime Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely a, at least 10% in each state that at some way and somehow uh, were either either fully in- innocent or uh, weren't the actual uh, you know people that were conducting the crime in the way it was said it was them. Uh, so just that off chance of killing someone that wasn't you know actual person seems kind of like a weird judgment call. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so yeah, I would think improve the conditions, give them more access to like societal improvements. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Mental health yeah. for people before you know, yeah, these things happen. Give them the the support they need. Yeah, and I do believe that Kamala Harris introduced something that was one of the because back when she was a DA in the nineties, it was everything was tough on crime, but she was the first one to introduce something in I believe it was San Francisco where people could get access to resources and rehabilitation after they got um, released. But going back to the death penalty thing, I think there are a lot of arguments against it. And actually, it's one of those things that I don't think about much, so I guess I'm by default against it. Uh, But the more and more I hear about criticisms of it, it it gives me more reason to be against it. Uh, So I know that it's supposed, for those who are fiscally minded, it costs taxpayers more money um, than it would just to keep that person in jail for the rest of their life. So I guess that's one thing. Um, but I guess that could also be because of like private prisons and how much money they make and stuff like that. So that could be unintended consequences therein. But that still doesn't justify killing the person. Uh, but uh, there's other ones uh, in there where it doesn't actually do anything to um, disincentivize the crimes that people are doing. And that's what a lot of people saw corporate punishment as and just like year over year the statistics show that like you know people are going to continue to work yeah so Mm. so yeah and with those and definitely just like thinking about the humanity of the person and and i guess if i have to speak on this it's more you have to get into like the mentality of like what people think prison is for and i think americans in general think justice equals retribution all right and justin justice doesn't equal rehabilitation so I think a lot of our laws have been punitive in that way, and uh, the death penalty feels like the ultimate uh, retribution, especially if something feels really egregious or really morally sacrosanct. Um, and I think the more and more we can get Americans to think of jail as being rehabilitating mm-hmm. and not penalizing people yeah. for when they come out. So like definitely when Florida did the thing where they allowed um, – prisoners to vote after they came out but they're actually doing this kind of thing now where they're kind of making you pay your fines which is again one of those subtle ways that they're hitting people who are economically challenged and discriminating against them without being blatant about it but like the idea of you know allowing people who have been in jail to vote again is something that i think all of america should do because of the whole relationship between uh, uh retribution and rehabilitation yeah well said and that also, yeah, would go into my kind of same idea. The long-term, large infrastructure changes would lead to some of that. Yeah. Of course. And then, of course, neighborhood policing in ways, you know. Uh, I don't think cops, you know, who are just on the beat in neighborhoods need squad cars necessarily. 
like their precinct should be close enough as well for them to walk and then uh understand their neighborhood's concerns at a you know eye level and uh and and maybe you know as we had a relationship with our cops as neighborhood participants it wouldn't be such like a divide between uh the people and the cops in some of these urban areas you know uh yeah so i know know, funny enough that's like one of the one of the big city council issues here in seattle i guess kind of to bring it locally because that's what we can do at least i know that some of the candidates uh and even if you look at that uh social media site next door um a lot of things that happen in neighborhoods that are relatively safe are break-ins um but if you had cops definitely if they're walking or on bike patrols um they were able to like you know have that presence there you'd probably see a lot less break-ins or you'll see a a better clear rate on uh break-ins because right now according to fbi data only 11 percent of break-ins get have a clear rate or like robberies or like house robberies and all that right right compared to like 60 percent of murders like just to give you a comparison uh yeah so so definitely like uh, places like this are under policed and so anything that deals with like uh not a victimless crime but like non-physical violence more like larceny and things of that nature have low clear rates because they aren't being policed as much so yeah uh and and that you know that type of infrastructure change the attitude changes some of these precincts have never had a shakeup you know, and they've been operating with, you know, corrupt means or racist means or, um, you know, judgment on certain impoverished people, depending on, you know, non-race or anything, just like people who happen to be poor and easier targets. So that's how people like in certain jurisdictions lose their license in perpetuity, because even if they pay back, they're just paying back interest on the value towards their license. And so their license never mm-hmm. gets released and they actually never pay off their fines. And so, you know, precincts that uh, work in that type of fashion are, you know, need it. Th- their control needs to be limited, and you have to be able to assign a specific date and time. They should get uh, their license back on a probationary period in the beginning, anyway, mm-hmm. to see if you know maybe they're an acting member of society and they can use that to get up to be able to pay off the fines and things they have. Um, and then, of course, if they're abusing that privilege, you can take it away again. You know, I mean, that's that's there. Um, you know, and so little things like that, I think ultimately, uh, the interaction with cops and then the way we interact with the law enforcement in our area, we can build a relationship and, and, you know, people will be happier. Less people will go to jail. Um, that's the goal. Yeah. So, uh, but a lot of it happens on these local elections, you know, with people who get elected to sheriff or people who get elected to mayor, uh, have a lot of kind of the oversight of these decisions. So we have to be electing people that we uh, know what they're talking about. Indeed. And I guess to bring it back to Kamala Harris, I guess even though those are criticisms of her past, um, I think that she's supported quite a few bills that kind of give her a progressive uh, track record. Um, I think the Medicare for all thing, her thing is basically kind of, a, I guess, some quasi mix of a, a Medicare for all who want it sort of plan. Because basically, let me see, I did pull it up. Uh, and I can do the bullet points of it. But basically how, you know, Pete Buttigieg and some of the other centrist Democrats uh, would like it to be like, yeah, we're going to offer you a public option. But, hey, the people who still want their private insurance, they are allowed to have that. 
and da, da, da. here we go. But then, would the people who have their private insurance still have to pay the taxes for the public insurance? Um, depends on how they fund it. Yeah, yeah I guess I'm not quite sure how everybody's going to fund theirs. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, Medicare for All is supposed to be like a 2.2 percent payroll tax on everybody. Uh, and that would be lower than what I think we pay now on payroll taxes for that. I think it's like a 4% payroll tax or something. It? Yeah. It's oh, some, yeah, it's Medicare that comes out now? Yeah. Medicaid and something like that? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's one of those two things that, like, you have your taxes, and then you have your Medicare, and then you have your Social Security mm-hmm. that gets taken out of it. <laughs> Social Security? I know. It's just like, let's throw this money away. Right. You'll never see it again. Right. <laughs> it's like, supposed to privatize Social Security. Actually, well, I don't know. I guess, random aside, uh, well, a little bit of a downer. If, if this is going to make you sad, but this is my real life. Like, when. <laughs> well, no. No, I, I have to preface it with that because, like, when my dad had cancer um, and he needed money, he actually got access to his Social Security money. And through that, he got money and I got money. And the way it's supposed to work is that, like, even though technically I wasn't seeing the money, it was supposed to go to him so he could pay for the bills and stuff like that. So it did work out in that regard. And then after he passed away, um, I did continue to get the money until my 19th birthday. So, yeah, that helped out my mom a little bit. So, I mean, it's anecdotal, but I guess if more other people have stories like that, I guess that that could work out. But, yeah. so Hell of a story, man. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez, sorry to hear that. No, no, it's. I, I lost my mom too mm-hmm. about five years ago. So oh shit, cancer's a bitch. Yes, it is. Love cancer. Sorry, guys. <laughs> both my parents are alive. I apologize. <laughs> you don't apologize. Well, this is life. Give, give, him, give him a call. <laughs> give him a call to the show. Give him a hug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got anything else? Oh on? yeah, about like random aside, going into her uh, Medicare for all and plan or however she wants to do it. Like, her plan includes a 10-year phase-in period between the current healthcare system and Medicare for All. Uh, so that's kind of like the whole of the argument is, um, oh, no, you don't get to have your private insurance, all that. That's supposed to alleviate some of that. Harris's plan still includes a major role for private insurers. Uh, you said that. And the third one is Harris's plan would not impose an additional tax on middle-class families. So I think that was kind of like the general, those are, yeah, um uh, i think one of my friends when he posted it on facebook saying oh my god she's a republican and i think he said that because those have been uh, republican talking points about medicare for all um and i think some of the nuance of that is it yes if you raise taxes on the middle class it's by how much right and it also you also have to ask the question what won't they be paying for um another one of my friends uh they put up how i think they had to pay about four hundred dollars a month um in order to like pay for their i think deductible um that is i, I forget all the the different sort of <laughs> billing terms i yeah. think mikhail would probably be better insurance and knowing <laughs> some of those things but then they had to go to the emergency room for some things and they came out with a relatively low bill um it was under three grand right and they were in the financial position where that wouldn't be able to bankrupt them uh, but you know, other people paying higher premiums, like when I had health insurance through my job, I wasn't paying anything, but I took the basic plan and except for the final year that I wanted to get access to a healthcare savings account. So I had to take the high deductible plan, but the high deductible plan was like, you pay three grand in 
and then for that yeah after that everything else that year is covered for you so my goal was like well i hope i don't get sick uh and but then i had to go to urgent care uh to find out about something and because i had that type of plan i had to pay three hundred dollars for something that took like 15 minutes to diagnose right so it's yeah Yeah. eh, again anecdotal shit Mm -hmm. but you know just like giving an idea of like what a private insurance thing does now and medicare for all would make sure you have no deductible no co-pays and no out-of-pocket expenses so you get to keep that money Mm -hmm. and then presumably if it's you know if you're raising the tax on the middle class by a little bit you have enough money left over that you're able to do other things and you know grow the economy and you know help the job creators and all that other stuff you know so so if you had a a public health plan it would pay everything up to the deductible maybe and then have the private be anything over that so like if it's just like a little bit of a you know i mean like you said a 15 minute operation or something for 300 bucks it's like uh, yeah i mean i guess it's supposed to pay for i think it's supposed to be paid for like emergencies big surgeries Mm -hmm. like things like that i think anything that's like Mm -hmm. essential to a person's health like emergency wise or like disease wise or pathologically i think is what it should cover but again i haven't read uh, medicare for all cover to cover but like like and not not like uh elective surgeries yeah exactly right like it's not going to cover liposuction right (laughs) right it's not going to cover shin implants right shin implants people get (laughs) shin implants it is the weirdest thing that i have ever seen in my life i was like really shin implants what so we're, we're, but why though so we're like about the, to, the muscle or the I'm so we're about to hear the direct like <laughs> chaz's direct support of the chin Im, uh, shin shin and chin <laughs> implants <laughs> under personal did you get shin implants homie right like i remember like it, it was like a bro i saw this thing it was either on like e or something and it was like some bro dude was like yeah no matter how hard i work out i just can't get my shins like look at that dude's shins man them shins are tight i want them tight shins right and it was like people are paying over ten thousand dollars in order to get shin implants i'm like why why vanity can't go that far oh my god Soon people will be like, I need to get finger implants, to get <laughs> muscles, and my fingers working. There are no muscles in your fingers, by the way. <laughs> uh, reminder, of course, out there, uh, if you've got your ballot in Seattle, put it in, because Tuesday is the day. Yeah, Tuesday is the day. On the last episode, I said we had two weeks, because I don't know how time works, so we only had a week. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so, yeah, they're going in, and then uh, we'll have to tell you about that uh, and how whatever... Uh, people succeeded or programs were passed yeah um like i've seen the interesting thing about that if we want to because i think i've said i guess i should say my final thing about kamala harris um and that's basically like chaz's final thought about kamala harris (laughs) (laughs) go so i do think she has a questionable past that needs to be looked at and i think she needs to be taken to task every time that that questionable past comes up so i do have to thank uh tulsi gabbard for doing that there is a little bit of nuance in her criticisms too uh but at least she you know had the bravery to bring it up um i'm not a person who's gonna openly support her right now because i think other ideas and more lefty ideas need my support in this whole sphere but if she ended up getting the democratic election nomination i would vote for her because i do think there'll be some things uh as president that she would pass and i think she would pass things overall that would be better for the american people so so yeah um i think 
as long as she can uphold to her criticisms and just like work on bettering herself as her support of different bills in the Senate has, I think she'll be a fine president. All right. Well, she's in the running. Uh, she's made that list. So um, we can look forward to see more from Kamala Harris in the future. Also coming up in the future. Hard Knocks returns. Uh-oh. An insider's view into training camp with the Oakland Raiders. Get some, baby, get some! John Gruden's new array of talent will be on display. Get working, man. We got a goal this year. Run, 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 run! Find out what it takes ah! to wear the silver and black. Let's go! That's right, folks. It's the return of Hard Knocks, the HBO show that follows one NFL uh, club in their camp during the preseason. Uh, and this year, it's John Gruden's Oakland Raiders. Chaz, thoughts after seeing that so far? I what mean, it's pretty hype. I, I did watch the one with, with the Bengals last year. Uh, Browns. Browns. Okay. Browns. With the uh, rising of uh, Baker Mayfield was caught on full display for all four. I think there's six episodes. Uh, starts this Tuesday. So when you go turn in your ballot and then turn on your HBO to watch Hard Knocks. So I watched Hard Knocks a couple years ago because I'm a Jets fan. And oh, the Jets nice. on there. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Just like the amount of like, I don't know, greed and stuff. Just like based on athletics. I used to play football. I hate football. Well then, you're gonna you're gonna love this next topic because <laughs> this next topic is all about the upcoming NFL 2019 right. season. Oh god, yeah. I think I still no. like don't I was, watch I, the NFL on principle. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I played quarterback. <clears throat> in so uh, according to NBC.com, uh, your top eight teams are uh, New England Patriots, Los Ooh. Angeles Rams, New Orleans Saints. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, what? Chicago Bears, the Bears, Indianapolis Colts at seven, and your man Chaz's Philadelphia Eagles mm. at eight. And, and the Jets aren't even sniffing the top. No Jets, no Seahawks <laughs> mentioned in those top eight. Uh, I'm sure they're ma- they're mentioned somewhere in the list. Uh, <laughs> as a Jets fan, uh, what do you think about uh, the NFL and its going forward each season? Do you do you wait to pay attention to see what's kind of happening? Uh, I, I still watch. I, I like NFL. I mean, you guys have a young quarterback, right? Like that's the kind of new deal. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he was from USC. I don't even pay attention anymore. Uh, the USC guy. Um, uh, I guess they got Luke Falk. No. Uh, yeah, let's see. Roster. I should know this. New York. Well, Jets. I know they got Le'Veon Bell in the back backfield, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't been paying attention too much. He went to my Mets, but the Mets. Who, who's your game. all-time favorite Jet of all time? Like uh, Jet of all time, all the, time. The only <laughs> Jet jersey I have is of Wayne Corbett. Wow. Wayne Corbett, he was a wide receiver from Garfield, New Jersey. Uh, how long did he play for your beloved Jets? Uh, he probably played for, geez, maybe 15 years or so. He has like over 800 receptions. Uh, the man that neither of us could remember was Sam Darnold. So yeah, Sam Darnold. I yeah. Just, I can't believe I uh, couldn't remember that. Yeah, so he's uh, <laughs> Luke Falk is one of his backups from Washington State. Ooh. 
uh yeah no that's uh that's gonna be an interesting team i think it's a young uh receiver core other than well levy and bell in the back you know still a mid mid-aged receiver he's, or uh tailback he's got time so, so where do they got the seahawks on that list uh let's okay let's find the official uh <laughs> list because you guys signed uh russell wilson back right Oh yeah, yeah. He got he got the keys to the city. <laughs> yeah, we gave him the keys to the city, which I mean, in all fairness, he deserved. It's it's just, you know, hopefully uh he delivers uh you know, one more one more title will be nice. Two trips to the Super Bowl was great. Uh he technically gave us a shot at a at a third uh when uh they went for a kick against Atlanta and uh, our coach called timeout and Atlanta kicker missed the kick. Hmm. It was like a 53 yarder. And then right, right. they lined up and he made it the second, made time. it the second time. Oh, yeah. Man. So, so I, I trust in Russell Wilson. Um, at least you don't have, you know, a butt fumble that happened in your history because no. Oh yeah. You guys do have that. Yeah. Sanchez was an interesting receiver. Uh, he is a quarterback. Or quarterback, sorry, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I was thinking of who he was throwing to, yeah. No, he was just trying to run up the middle, ran into the guard's butt, yeah. fell down, fumbled the ball. But he was good, like, he, he got him to... He was sometimes good, it was really the defense that got him Back-to-back there. AFC yeah, championship AFC games? AFC championships, but was, yeah. that defense was pretty nasty, Rex Ryan. Yeah, right, yeah, Rex Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder where... He's finally officially out of the league, I think. Is he now? I, I don't think he's on a team at this point. I don't believe so either. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been a coach for forever. His uh, his dad was, like, a famous coach of the Browns. Yeah, Buddy but, Ryan. Buddy Ryan. Mm-hmm. His brother is a... Uh, defensive coordinator, or maybe he's a head coach now, but it's Rob Ryan. They're actually twins. Rob Rex Ryan and Rex uh, Rob and Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan works for ESPN as a, an ana- analyst yeah. of football. Wait a minute, no, they're not twins. I think Rex Ryan's older. I think Rex is just a couple years older than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Correction. So it is uh, the NFL's 100th season. Uh, oh, you know, protested that. or not, it's made it here a hundred years. Uh, you know, we're not necessarily pro NFL. I'm just pro. Uh, the fandom it creates, and I know that like I we like, don't want to be anti NFL, yeah. so I'm going to be fantasy football, man. That's that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> and and I love me some Hard Knocks. It's one of my favorite shows. I I think I made Chaz watch last season. I, that might have been part of how you watched a lot of it. I was like, oh yeah, I did enjoy it. I I definitely enjoyed it. It was very interesting seeing the players getting into. Uh, just new to the field, uh, kind of the old ones, uh, kind of like what I found really interesting was uh, some of the guys were there. They were like, "Hey, you're going to get all this money, and it's going to feel like a lot of money. But here are some responsible things you should be doing with your money." Right. And I was like, "Yeah." And that's the other part is you do go through <clears throat> the cuts process of the NFL. So you start learning like they start with like 92 players on the team, and by the time it yeah it whittles down. It's the 52 or whatever. Yeah. I can say, you know, <clears throat> playing for years on uh, different teams that when guys get cut, it, it, it's tough. You know, They're, they all want to be on the team. And it's like, sorry. And it's even harder in the NFL because they're playing for millions yeah. of dollars. You know, it's, it's, it was tough in high school. And it's like, sorry, buddy. <clears throat> so in high school, how many of the players got cut to JV and how many got cut totally? It all depended on how many tried out every year. Okay. So, um, I mean, at my school, it was, there was we had a freshman team, 
and there was a varsity team. But mm-hmm. then some guys from varsity would play JV and stuff. Oh, so okay. You, you could play on both. Um, but I'm trying to remember. I guess we had probably like 50 guys or so on the f- on the team, the varsity. Not maybe not that many. No, that makes sense. There's like 54 total players for yeah, almost every like NFL 40. team. And and we had a small school, but um, yeah, my uh, I got a lot of concussions playing football. Oh no. So, that's why I was like, it's not worth it, man. Every time a tackle happens, nobody wins. You know, even if you have like perfect form and stuff, you're still going to get your bell rung mm-hmm. a little bit. So that's why a lot of these retired players, you know, had so many problems. But Oh, yeah. You know, they're trying to advance the equipment, make things safer. I know they've done some things to the helmets. So yeah. You know, that's good. But these guys are getting bigger and stronger and faster. So mm-hmm. those collisions are going to be. Oh, yeah. Even stronger. That's what, you know, Isaac Newton's uh, first law is. <laughs> theory of motion and all yeah, that. Inertia. Well, uh, and with that uh, rousing uh, public uh, <laughs> statement, uh, let's get ready for this year's but NFL hey, football, season. Great. Uh, ESPN's rankings. I think they got the whole list. So here we go. KC Chiefs in the first position. Saints in the second position, Rams in the third, Patriots in the fourth, getting spicy ESPN, Colts in fifth, Chargers in sixth, Bears at seventh, Houston at eight, which was a former uh, Hard Knocks team. Who's the, who's the quarterback in Houston now? Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Deshaun. Watson. Oh, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah. Oh, he's awesome. He's good. I think former Clemson, I want to say. I think he's Clemson, yeah. Well, the guy from KC that they got number one, he's... Patrick Mahomes. He's amazing. He's good, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, Atlanta Falcons at nine. Philadelphia Eagles at ten. Okay. Go Philly. West Philadelphia, born race, this guy. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings, 11. Green Bay Packers, 12. Titans, 13. Wow. My beloved Hawks. 14. Mm. Cleveland Browns, 15. Cleveland moving up in the world. Pittsburgh, 16. Baltimore, 17. Oh, boy. Jacksonville, 18. Ouch, that must hurt to hear Jacksonville's name before your team. Yeah. Well, Jacksonville, their defense has been pretty solid. Well, now, and you years. have to have a response because you're so used to seeing it above your team that you're like, <laughs> Jack- no, no, Jacksonville's good, man. Good. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even think what's-his-face is there anymore. Um, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. Carolina Panthers. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos, oh my gosh. Oakland Raiders, Raiders, shout out to this year's Hard Knocks, yeah, hard knocks <clears throat> still better than the Jets, Detroit Lions, <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh my gosh. 26, the Lions, New York Jets, 26, so there's six teams below, below you, the, Jets. the Giants are below this, below the Jets. Your folks, the list below the Jets starts at 27 with the Buffalo Bills, followed by 28, the Washington Redskins. Next up, Cincinnati Bengals, followed by the New York Giants at 30, Arizona Cardinals at 31, and finally, in the 32nd position, the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. So there's three teams from the AFC East in the bottom seven. And then the Patriots, that's why they win every year. Yeah. <laughs> they have a horrible yeah. division. Yeah, they just, yeah. They're, <laughs> and that, also the Eagles are going to have an easy year because they, they had the Giants Reds, Redskins down. and the Giants down there. Yeah, yeah, and the and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so that was fun, guys. Uh, yeah, I hope they are safe. Stay safe out there. Uh, enjoy the show, Hard Knocks. Uh, they're not like a sponsor of the show. Uh, so if you have an HBO account, send it to the link. How you live in it? No, I'm just kidding. Um 
But if you do, I mean, we have an email. Uh, other than that, Chaz, is there a last-minute bit you want to tell to the folks before we take the helicopter at the top of the studio out for a spin in this lovely summer weather? Uh, no, I got, I got nothing really. Uh, yeah, no, I think I'm good. Uh, anything you're reading lately that the people should know about or, uh, a show that's going to keep them, uh, you know, up to date with the, the, the hyphy information? Uh, I mean, if you want to get in more of the lefty goodness on YouTube, I've been uh, watching a lot of Peter Coffin content. Uh, but I think I also want to highlight <laughs> some like smaller, um, let me see smaller creators later there's there's still some i need to dive into more but definitely there's been this whole idea of a bread tube or a left tube and sort of trying to counteract the propaganda of the right wing that proliferates quite a bit on youtube so now it's kind of something that i started to do when we first started then kind of like slid away from it because it, it just became repetitive and you know the same things over and over again and i felt other people were doing a better job of it but as I slide more into more leftist things, I'll probably have more of a progressive uh, hot take on some things uh, on further episodes. So, yeah, we'll see. All right. Um, <laughs> wow, Chaz, you're so, like, intelligent and awesome. Like, I'm like, wow, listen to the things that you listen to. And meanwhile, meanwhile, last night, I, I tried to watch Transformers the last night, which may have been the worst movie I've ever seen, okay. ever. Because I was like, oh, I used to like Transformers as a kid. This is great. Bumblebee, awesome. No, it's horrible. So bad. And then a, a little while into it, I'm like, oh, God, Mark Wahlberg's in this. I hate Mark Wahlberg. I think he's the worst actor wow. ever. This movie review just took a real wow. turn. <laughs> this did remind me of something before we get to the value extraction <laughs> portion of our podcast. Is that if you're a 90s kid like me. You need to go out and rent Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now because that movie was fucking everything. It was everything. I'll check that out. I haven't seen that. I watched it yesterday and I'm just sitting there just like, that's so cool. Like, oh, especially if you're into the 90s Turtles. Like, if you're in the 80s Turtles, they ain't ain't dark and gritty for you. Right? If you're into, I guess, any other iteration of the Turtles where, you know, Leo's the leader, but he gets a little headstrong. Raphael's always a big brute. Donatello's kind of like, you know, that dorky introvert who's super smart. And Michelangelo Uh, just wants to party. Right? What's going on with April? <laughs> so yeah, so they're Michael all there. Was high the whole time, or, right? Or I mean, he's might probably somebody who, who might be you would get high. I mean, he is green. I mean, sorry, yeah, <laughs> it might be implied. It's like the shaggy. Yeah, but I don't element. think the other three were. Maybe Splinter was. He was probably just <laughs> oh, totally, totally. <laughs> That's real. Uh, as always, you can get a hold of us live on the interwebs via Gmail at the hylbox at gmail dot com address. Uh, catch me at Sea Town Mayor on the Twitter sphere. Uh, keeping track of your city on the coast, Jazz. Where the, can they uh, hear you or talk to you? Or That's right. You like your fo- posts. You can follow me on Twitter at Chaz underscore Baz. You can find me on the Instagrams at Chaz Space Baz, and you can find me on the TikTok at Chaz Space Baz as well too. But I, I need to do a better job at posting on social media. I'm not very active on there. I'm active on my Facebook, but that's personal, so, you know. Boom, coming up. More socials coming out of Chaz. It's a future episode. Yo, uh, yeah. yeah. Look, Mr. <laughs> Nick. Nick, our guest. Uh, thank you for your uh, joining us today. Uh, anything you want to tell the people about, whether it's a plug or you just uh, like something? I like lots of things. 
Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Nick and Liz quiz. You could come meet me and my wife in person when we do trivia on Tuesday nights around seven forty-five. We get started. It's at uh, the Wits Inn. W H I T S. Come on out. Yeah, uh, if you're a local listener in Seattle, you should check it out. It's a good show. What's up? <laughs> That is a throwback sound effect, folks. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, Chaz, it's been, it's been lovely. Um, good times hanging out in the studio. Indeed, indeed. Yes, it has been a good one. Uh, and for those folks who are looking forward to the political person I'm going to dive into next, um, hopefully he uh, gets into the next debates, but I want to do Mr. Julian Castro. I mean, I guess we can review them either way, but yeah, that's true. I do, I do want to try to be as relevant as possible because yeah, I want this to at least never sw- give people uh, the idea of who they might want to look into or vote for, or, like what they support and all that jazz. So you know, kind of want it to be like a kickoff point of like, oh yeah, I might like this person. Let me dig into them a little bit. So yeah, this is going to be the most you know knowledgeable. I will ever be going into an election, I hope. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. <laughs> We're isolating that. Folks, it's been fun. Peace out. We out. Peace. Horses, life's amazing. Shit is gorgeous. Looking at the bigger picture portrait and I smile wide. Performed a song and the crowd cried. How can I lie? I'm tearing up as I'm starting to stare in y'all lies. I know the shit you going through the last month. You stressing as you hitting on that glass blunt A nigga praying to get lucky like Daft Punk You can't even stomach the pain